Scripture reading this morning is from Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. The English Standard Version is what I'm reading. Now that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider what I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. Well, I'm very happy to be with you today. I'm very grateful for your presence this morning, and it's always an encouragement to all of us for us to get together and to worship God and sing these beautiful songs. Thank you, Daniel, for leading us in these fine songs today and these hymns and for your participation in that. If you're visiting with us, we're very happy to have you and hope you'll come back and be with us again. And we'll be meeting tonight at 6 o'clock, Lord willing, and we'll be studying some of the sermons of the New Testament, our Sunday night seminar. We're very grateful for everyone who's here today. We're on the verge of a holiday, and, and we're thankful for that. And there are a lot of folks that are visiting we have our children, many of them uh, at Camp Ida today, and more are going today. And so we want to be mindful of them in our prayers as our teenage children are going to be up at Bible Camp uh, today and tomorrow through the course of the week. And then some are visiting, they're traveling, visiting with family and friends. We pre- please pray for them as well as we want to keep them in our hearts, our minds, and in our prayers. This is a great Bible passage, Philippians chapter 3. It talks about pressing toward the mark. The application of this passage to everyday life is really amazing. I think about Paul's uh, uh, statement here, and he's pressing forward, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Reminds me of the runway for an airplane. It Really, the runway behind the plane doesn't matter. It's the runway in front of the plane that really matters. The pilot is concerned about what's ahead of him, and Paul is concerned about what's ahead of him, and he's working toward that. Someone once wrote, it is the advanced man of our true selves. Its roots are inward, its are outward. It's the best friend or our worst enemy. It's more honest, consistent, than our words. It's an outward look based on past experience. It's the thing that draws people to us or repels them. It's never content until it's expressed. It's the librarian of our past, the speaker of our present, the prophet of our future. And what is it? Well, of course, it's our attitude. We all have an attitude. We're moving forward because of attitude, or we fail to move forward because of attitude. I'd like to take Philippians 3 today, verses 12 through 14, and talk about what attitude is and what it ought to be. Every one of us needs help understanding the biblical view toward attitude. First thing I want to understand is what is it? We all understand the important question, what is an attitude? It's based on our feelings. It's based on what we know to be true. 
It's our tendency to act favorably or act against unfavorably toward another person or an event or a thing or an idea. Sometimes our attitude can be a positive attitude. Sometimes it's a negative attitude. It's how we think about something. Our attitude is how we feel about a particular matter. And all of us have them. Attitudes are developed by how we believe about things, the truth of things. If we can understand the truth about a matter, it may change our attitude. And our attitude really become more what it really ought to be. Attitudes are amazing things in that they have to be expressed. Sometimes they're expressed by our facial expressions. Someone once said, you know, in our singing and in our worship service, someone should tell our face that we are enjoying it because sometimes our facial expression has a frown. That's the way attitudes work. They work in such a way that they have to be expressed. And yet... Uh, We sometimes express our attitudes in a negative way. Let's say that I to church with me to worship. And this individual doesn't know anything about God or the Bible or the church or worship. And I'm telling this, I'm going to take you to a group of people who are the happiest people in the world. They're the happiest people because they're going to heaven. Heaven is the perfect place. There's no sin there, there's no heartache, nor any suffering. They're going to because God sent his son for them to die on the cross for them. He dies on the cross and sheds his blood and thus pays the price for their salvation. Though they realize still God sent his son and he is put to death in their place. He now becomes the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. We come together and sing God for this. We come together and sing hymns and pray because of his son, Jesus Christ. Our sins have been forgiven. Because of their obedience of God, sins are now washed away through repentance and baptism into Christ for the remission of sins. And now that all those sins are washed away and we don't look back, we look forward. We look forward to the where we'll be with God forever and ever who made it possible for us to be saved from sin and enjoy the beauty of heaven. While we live on this earth, understand that they have the peace that passes all understanding, a type of inner tranquility that helps us through the difficulties and the problems of life. And so this friend now understands the kind of people he's going to be introduced to. And he comes in and he sits down. And in a moment or so, he says, should you tell them or should I? And I ask, tell them what? That they have this all understanding. That their sins have been forgiven. 
that they are going to heaven. And I say, well, they already know that. And he says, well, why don't they look like it? Why don't they act? Why don't they live like it? Why don't they live like they're going to heaven and be with God forever and ever? Attitudes show. Attitudes have to be expressed in some form or some fashion. That's the way attitudes are. Counselor's counseling a married couple, and he says in the counseling session, the husband, all I said was, don't you think it's just a little bit too loud? And of course, everybody there in the session knows that even though those may be the very words that he used, it's the tone that he said them in. It's the action that It's the expression behind the words that made all the difference. It's the attitude that's shown behind what he said that caused all the problem. Attitudes. Attitudes come to the fore. They come to the front. And we see them and we experience them. The Bible's talking about our attitudes. And it tells us what kind of attitude that we should have. It tells the church what kind of attitude it should have for the church to grow and develop and mature like God really wants it to. I read this statement from General Douglas MacArthur on his 75th birthday. In the central part, there is a recording chamber. As long as it receives messages of beauty, hope, cheer, and courage, you are young. When the wires are and your heart is covered with the snow of pessimism and the ice of cynicism, then and only then have you grown old. The Bible will help us with our attitude. One boy said about his grandmother, my grandmother just knows everything to do and when to do it. And his friend said, well, how does she know to do that? He says, it must be her glasses that she wears. Because every time she looks, she knows what needs to be fixed. And she knows how to help me when I scrape my knee. And she knows what to do on a rainy day. And she knows what kind of advice to give when things are down and I'm feeling so bad. It must be the glasses that my grandmother wears. Because she can see things. And so he decided to ask his grandmother, how is it that you know how to do all these things? She says, well, I see them. But it's not the glass attitude that I have. Because I believe in you and what you are and what you will do and what you will become. And I'm willing to sacrifice for you. And I'm willing to work hard for you. It's all because of attitude that makes the difference in the lives of others and in ourselves. So today, I want to talk about, is there something in the pages of the Bible that will help my attitude? Is there something in the pages of the Bible that will make me be the kind of person God really wants me to be? And the best place to look at this is to look at some Bible attitudes. And one of the first Bible attitudes came from a scribe by the name of Ezra. 
And as I turn to the book that bears his name, he was one of many, many scribes. There are a lot of scribes in Ezra's day. A scribe was a person who copied down the law. Not everyone could read and write, and, and especially in ancient language and in ancient times when writing material was scarce. And so there was a school of people called scribes, and they would do their work in the scriptorium. And they would gather themselves together, and they'd sit down, and they'd copy the law. And scribes were used for all kinds of purposes to write letters and that kind of thing. And we read in the pages of the Bible, when the children of Israel came back from Babylonian captivity, that God picked out one particular scribe, and his name was Ezra. Now, as I've already intimated, the fact there are many, many scribes that God could have picked. But he picked just this one. And I'm thinking about Ezra chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, and I put that verse before you so that you could follow along with me as we read. For in that particular verse, it tells me about why God picked this one particular scribe to do his will and his work. It is because of his attitude. From the first day of the go up from Babylonia, on the first day of the 15th month, the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. For the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Now I'm reading from verse 10. It's a Bible passage you can read from the pages of your own Bible. And it tells us that Ezra had set his heart. That means he formulated the attitude that he's going to study the law, that he's going to do the law, and that he's going to teach it to other people. And God picked this one particular scribe to lead the people of God and to bless the people of God. And what a wonderful work he was able to do. And he did that because of the man's attitude. No doubt his character was involved in the responsibility that he had. He was the person that could do the job. There were a lot of factors, I'm sure, going into the matter of picking out Ezra from all the other scribes that were available. But one of the great factors in picking out this individual is because he had the right attitude. And the attitude that he had was, I'm going to do God's Word. I'm going to study it. And I'm going to teach it to other people. Now that's an attitude. It's an attitude we can have. Does the Bible help me with the attitude I should have? Surely does. Another great worker during this particular history of Israel is that of Nehemiah. And I encourage you to read these great books of history, Ezra and Nehemiah, and what they have in store for us. And in Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6, children of Israel about building the wall of Jerusalem. Now, it has been destroyed by the mighty, powerful king Nebuchadnezzar long ago. And now they've been in Babylonian captivity, and they've been brought back after 70 years of captivity. God has allowed them to come back under the Persian king, Xerxes. And uh, they come back and they have uh, the uh, blessing of God in the matter. And God gives them a job of rebuilding that temple and rebuilding the city. But they have enemies out there. And those enemies didn't want them to succeed. And they would say, well, look, a jackal could go up and jump up against the wall, knock it down, that flimsy wall that they're building. But before they knew it, that wall was halfway up. Why? Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. 
They had an attitude. The people had a mind to work. And they got more done than they done. And even though the matter came up with regard to their enemies, they continued to say to them, I'm not going to be deterred by the criticism. I'm going to do what God's told me to do, and we're going to get the job done. I've noticed that in the pages of the Bible. And I think I've noticed that about people, that when people make up their minds to do something, they can get it done. Now, sometimes it's for evil. In Genesis chapter 11, the people made up their mind to build a tower. And they didn't want to have to face another flood like they'd face in Genesis chapter 6. So they decided to build a great tower. And everybody would get security and refuge from the tower. But God didn't want that. So he confused their language and became known as the Tower of Babel. He confused their language and he didn't want them to stay in one spot but to disperse them. Genesis 11 and verse 6. Sometimes people can work for bad and accomplish bad. But when people decide to put their heart and their mind into it to work for God, they can accomplish great things. It is an attitude that one can have. And now that's an attitude. They built that wall in half the time because the people had a mind to work and get it done. Nehemiah chapter 17. It's an interesting verse that we're at here. It says in verse 17, Who were building on the wall? Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. Well, they didn't know when the enemy... So with one hand, they'd work on the wall. In another hand, they had a weapon. They had a sword or they had a spear because they didn't know when the enemy would come upon them, and they stood ready. We're going to stand against the error, and we're going to stand against the evil, and we're going to do what God has told us to do. With one hand, they said, we're going to stand. We're going to build, and we're going to accomplish what God told us to accomplish. With another hand, we're going to stand off the error and the evil, and we're going to keep it back while we're doing the will of God. Now, that's an attitude. The people had a mind to work. What kind of attitude do we have? There's a wonderful passage in the Bible in the poetic section, and I think I'm well within the mark when I say it may tell us more about God's Word than any other passage that I know. It's found for us in that whole section there deserves careful study as it really is God's evaluation of his own word. And he describes his word there in Psalm 119. It's a marvelous passage of scripture. But I picked out just one paragraph there beginning in about verse 97. And I want to read it for you. I'm in Psalm 119 and the verse is 97 and it conveys attitude. Oh, how I love attitude. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Now, look at the benefit of the Word of God. For it is ever with me. Verse 99. Understanding that all my teachers, for your testimonies, are my meditation. Notice the benefit in 100. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside, for you have taught me. 
How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey into my mouth. 104. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. What an attitude. Oh, how I love Verse 97. And because of that, it has helped me and benefited me, and I hate every false way. Now, this individual was not just putting up with the error. He hated it. It was his attitude. It's an attitude the Bible is telling us about. It is telling us that we should love the Word of God and be the recipients of the benefits of the Word of God and there in turn reject the error which does not come from God but comes from other sources. It's an attitude. What kind of attitude do we have toward God's Word? I'll tell you, here's an attitude about in Philippians chapter 2. It's amazing to me. I have said this before, and I, I don't back up on the statement. It's my personal judgment. I understand that. It's my opinion on this verse. I think it's the most profound verse, profound verse in the Bible. That's my opinion. The truth of this verse is not. I think this is one of the most profound of all verses I've ever read. It's found for us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Service. Sacrifice. That was the attitude of Jesus. Even though he had the glory of heaven and all the joys of heaven and all the benefits of heaven, Jesus gave that up for our salvation voluntarily stepping forward, taking on himself the form of a servant. That is, a human being lived and died among us, led by the power of God, hallelujah, and in turn went back to God the Father, purchasing our soul salvation. What, a, what an attitude, service, dedication, sacrifice. How much sacrifice have we had or we done? You know, I wonder what it would be like. The high sheriff of Tyler comes in and says, Look, I've been hearing rumors about you Christians worshiping. You're going to have to stop it. And you're going to stop it now. It's against the law to worship, the law to worship Christ. It's against the civil law for you to live this way, and it's against the civil law for you to worship this way, and we're going to put you to death if we find you worshiping God again. And to show you we mean business, we're going to take you out there in the public highway, bind you to a post, and we're going to beat you so everybody can see what worshiping God and worshiping Christ is going to get you. That's what they did to Peter and John. Acts chapter 5. said, we told you not to preach in his name. You filled Jerusalem with well, We're going to show you what we're going to do to you. And they beat them. And what was the attitude of Peter? 
You can read it. Acts chapter 5 and 41. Then they left the presence of the that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Now that's an attitude. Worthy. I'm thankful I was worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know what kind of attitude we might have in a situation like that. I don't know what kind of attitude I might exhibit in a situation like that. I'd probably be fighting mad. That's the kind of fellow I am. But the apostles were thankful that they could suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. You know, they said, we're going to follow God rather than man. We don't care what you do. We're going to do what God's told us to do. Now, that's an attitude. We're going to do regardless. And he's told us to preach the gospel to all the world, and that's what they did. Even though they suffered for it, that's an attitude. We're going to do God's will, even though we suffer in the process. And we're going to build the church up. We're going to have to have biblical attitudes to do it. One attitude that I see Paul talking about, and it's a very important one, is found for us in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, here's another attitude that I'd like for you to be aware of and, and consider. And I'm looking at about... Mark the passage for your consideration. Ephesians 4 and 22, and I want to read this and see what kind of attitude it's talking about. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And I read on down through verse 24. If I were to put this in a little more modern language, without doing any injustice to the text at all, I might say it this way. Put off the old activity and the old attitude you used to have and put on the new activity and the new attitude God wants you to have. Put off the old and put on the new. He's talking about the fact of living the Christian life. Put those old sins away and get rid of the old self. And now that you've been baptized into Christ and raised to walk in a newness of life, start living the way God's told us to live. Have that attitude about you. Put the old away and start living the new, the new Christian walk of life. Look at it from that standpoint. I'm getting rid of an old, worn-out attitude that does not do me or anyone else any good. And I'm going to start putting on the attitude God wants me to have. I'm going to start living the way God told me to live in the pages of the Bible. That's an attitude. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 and 23. Let me study with you another one. When you decide to do that, you might ought to learn about course, in 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, the book of 1 Peter is really about suffering. And he warns them that suffering is going to come. If you'll run on down to about verse 12, though I didn't give you this particular citation, I make reference to it now, 1 Peter chapter 4 and 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 1 Peter 4 and 12. Be prepared for the suffering that's going to come your way because you're a child of God and you're living the Christian life and you want to live the kind of life that God's given you to live. And so he says, 
in 1 Peter 4, verse 1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, get prepared for suffering and trial and persecution. Arm yourself and get yourself prepared for it because it's coming your way. It's an attitude for an individual to develop. It's the kind of attitude. So let's see if we can summarize about these Bible attitudes and see what kind of attitude I can employ. I need to change my attitude about God. Now I need to think about Him. I need to realize that God is real and do just exactly what He Chapter 12 and verse 30. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. That is my new attitude. I'm to realize that he lives. I'm to realize that he reigns. I am to be comforted by the great love of God and the blessings of God. And I'm to recognize that he's sovereign of this world and he is to be obeyed. And that I must accept him and obey him to be pleasing in his sight and to grow in faith in him and in his son and in his word. That's a new attitude. I'm going to take up that attitude. And God is going to be real for me. It's not just a word. It's not just a concept preachers talk about. But it's going to be real. Because God is real. And I need him in my life. That's going to be my attitude. What's my attitude going to be about the church? I need to rethink this attitude about the church. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 talks about the difficulties that he faced as a, an apostle. And the book of 2 Corinthians is a very interesting book to read and one which really tells us of what life was like as an apostle in the first century. And it was difficult. And you go through all the difficulties that he faced and all the things that he lists in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But one that he comes down to, that I'd like to draw your attention to, is found in verse 28. 2 Corinthians 11 says, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for churches. Now he goes through the difficulties that he faced, his imprisonments and the beatings and the near-death experiences that he had. Verse 23, five times I received the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Verse 24, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. And that evening it goes on and on and on. But then he comes down to the verse I just read in verse 28. He said, and to add to all that, the pressure, the anxiety I feel for all the churches. He was concerned for the church. It's very clear that he's not talking about church He's talking about people. And the attitude that I've got to get is to grow in my love and my concern for the church. And not just the church at Broadway. Though I want to grow for the Broadway church, I want to grow in my love and concern for all brethren, all the churches that assemble. Because you know what? When we assemble, 
It's not just me assembling. But I assemble together with the church. Now you go back and you start at Romans and you work your way all the way through. And you read how many times those Bible writers talk about our relationship toward each other. Now, there's a lot of great Bible truth. Every bit of it is Bible truth. And it talks about this and it talks about that. But you categorize or put together all the different times these Bible writers are talking about our relationship with each other. It is an attitude that God is expressing in the Bible about us and the church. And we're not talking about a building. We're talking about people. People who love God and and people who have changed their lives through repentance and been baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins. And it's my relationship, my attitude toward each other. Because when I come to worship, I don't just worship. I worship with you. And sometimes, little babies, bless their hearts, those babies cry the wrong time and sometimes older brethren bless their heart they go to sleep right in the middle of the sermon but they're part of the church that Jesus loves what's my attitude going to be toward the church it's got to be an attitude of love and consideration for you and for me. And let me, while I'm on this point, talk a little bit about the worship of the church. I think we need to study what the Bible says about what my attitude toward the church ought to be and its worship. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it tells us very carefully that, and clearly that we ought to assemble ourselves together. We ought not to forsake that assembly. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I, I've got to be considerate of the attendance of the worship of the church, because whether I like it or not, my attendance reflects an attitude. If I do, that's important to me as a Christian. And like it or not, reflects an attitude that's not that important to me as a Christian. In view of that, Bible writers are saying, you ought to talk that up. That he says in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, as you talk that up and you encourage people to worship together. In light of how our kids would say it, talk it up, let me add to that, let's pray it up. Let's pray, not just for ourselves and our families, but for the spiritual family of God right here at this place. For the Broadway Church of Christ, we're praying for every individual member and for the brotherhood itself. And let's not just pray it up, let's live it up. Let's start living like we really mean it, living like God has told us to live. Be the kind of people we say we're going to be and be the kind of people that God tells us to be. And let's add to that, let's attend it up. Every time that door is open, we ought to be here. For the love and the benefit, 
which we have, which we receive, and which we can give one another. Notice as he says in Hebrews 10 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I'm reading out of Hebrews 10, 25, 24 and 25. Is that the truth or not? Yes, it is. What's our attitude going to be toward the worship? Let me help you with another. We're going to have to be different. And I know you don't want to be different. You want to blend in. But let me ask you this. How are we going to change the world and make it better if we become just like the world? How can we help the world if we're going to be just like them? We've got to be different. The Bible calls upon in Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. We have a different present. We're going to have a different future. And we have a different mission. Now, I know it causes some to feel awkward when somebody suggests something, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to be involved in that. And so we don't want to be different. It makes us feel awkward. It makes us feel uncomfortable. But we're going to have to work at being different and not be like the world. And we're going to have to let the world know, however we can do that, that we are children of God, that we are soldiers in that spiritual army of the Lord, and that we're soldiers of Jesus Christ. And I've got to put that... I've got to say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. Here's the reason why. I'm different. And I don't follow the teaching of the world. I follow the teaching of Christ. And let me just add this attitude for development. It's found for us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It's a beautiful verse. I thought about it a lot. In fact, that whole eighth chapter deserves very careful consideration. You'll recognize the verse when I get to it. It says there in verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now listen to me now. That's an attitude. Have you got a problem in life? Have you got a difficulty? Here's the attitude to have. God's going to work this out for me and my benefit. I don't know how God's going to do But I know God providentially loves me and cares for me, and he's going to work this out. I don't see how. I know he will. Have a positive attitude about life. That God takes care of us. That God loves us. That God's going to see after us. That he provides for us. We know that is the case from the pages of the Bible. Let's live it and let's believe it. That God will take care of me. I believe there's a lot more to that verse 28 than what we've expressed this morning. But that's certainly a part of it. God takes care of me and he's going to take care of you now that's an attitude what kind of attitude do you is it time to change your attitude and turn that around and have the kind of attitude that we've studied today if it is then let's do it right now first of all obey the God repenting of sin confessing faith
being baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be added to the church of Jesus Christ. If you have been, but you've been unfaithful, repent of that. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. And become the faithful child of God. God wants you to become. And do it now. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.